and we're live with Berryflow Upstream number 71. I'm here with an awesome cast today on October 25th, here with Alex from Cyberbytes Inc. How you doing, man? What's going on? Just recovering. Fully, almost fully recovered from my sickness last week, so I won't be sneezing and doing everything I was doing last last. Or blowing his nose on air yeah, without the yeah. mute button. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> and as well with us, we have Blaze, Editor-in-Chief at CrackBerry. How you doing, man? Uh, much like Alex, in my recovery stage, although I'm still pretty choked up in my chest, but that's all right. I'm still here, and I'm still alive, so... He's pushing forward. Excellent. Yeah. As well on with us, we have Good Samaritan of the Day, Mr. Brandon Orr. How you doing, Brandon? Pretty good. Can't complain. Just, At, just did my good deal of the day, helping my uh, my girlfriend's dad move a, a huge-ass TV down like three flights of stairs and almost killed myself, so... <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's, it's good to have you on at the very least, Brendan. The uh, we it, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, Priv, we've seen it come to order, and really, I'm kind of excited about what, what's going to come forward with the device because so much has gone out. Shipping, as we know, starts on November the sixth. We're looking at a six ninety nine price tag US, and varials around there in the UK and Canada as well. Has anyone here actually gone ahead and pre-ordered the device? I'm waiting for Verizon. Yeah, <laughs> I've ordered several of them at this point. Well, Michelle has because we need them for like contests that I haven't announced as of yet and stuff like that. Did you oh. guys go on? Go on. Sure, I'm waiting for uh, Telus to. I'm waiting for November sixth. Because I think I have like a device upgrade with Telus, so I think I'm gonna wait till then, see if I can maybe uh, get it for cheaper with a contract extension or something like that. So I'm waiting till Telus gets on November sixth. Did I'm you guys getting it? Did you happen to see in the Crackberry forum someone had had put in like you know nine 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 that they want like nine 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 of the the priv on the Blackberry website and it's like. Sorry, we only have 805 left in stock. And then they did like five hours later, and it was like, we only have 600 in stock. And it was like, so you guys only sold like 400 in the course of X amount of time or whatever. But it could be so many other variables, and that might not be true. I don't know. But definitely interesting. I don't know, man. It's interesting when those numbers come up because of the people that are, you know, they've done that throughout like all of the ordering systems basically with the, the Leap and the Passport and everything else, just to see how many BlackBerry actually has listed in stock. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't know, it's probably not like the best indicator of what what's actually going on and how many devices are yeah. available. It's probably, probably one of the worst, that. especially when you consider the source of the information is actually Digital River. So, you know, That's true. Kind of, kind of speaks volumes itself. I think if you wanted to buy a bulk purchase, I think what was it that email like uh, they sent to get information about the priv, and then like they asked if you were a business and how many pribs you were thinking about ordering. I imagine if somebody said they were going to order like a hundred pribs, they would. I'd, I'd hope Blackberry would follow up with that person and be like, "Hey, like it's available. Do you want to put an order in?" And yeah, they probably discount it too, bulk order discount. 
I wouldn't yeah. expect somebody to go through the whole process of ordering a hundred peribs directly through the website. You know, yeah. Have a, have a BlackBerry manager account to be able to go ahead and deal with that. Mm -hmm. That's it, that'd be such a pain to actually have to go and do manually, like in the computer. It'd be rough. <laughs> I want to talk, guys, a little bit about like the overall security behind Priv, right? Because yeah, it's another Android device with a keyboard, right? But BlackBerry has actually worked to make it secure. Did any of you guys read about some of the like security things that they did to actually bring a lot of the BlackBerry prowess of security over? I mean, it has verified boot. It's got like hardware root of trust. It's certified, already compliant, full disk encryption. Like, do you guys think it's kind of interesting that they took everything in terms of BlackBerry 10 security and rebuilt it on Android? Like, I think it's kind of cool to a degree that they were able to accomplish this on Android. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, we we all saw the posts that they they did, basically laying out everything that they did to the device in order to be able to go ahead and make it a little bit more secure. Now, whether or not that actually depends on, on whether or not some of that actually depends on Bez or not is, is the real question there because, you know, Bez was one of the things that they highlighted to essentially go ahead and make your device more secure. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that wasn't necessarily unexpected either because, as we all know, an off-the-shelf BlackBerry isn't going to be as secure as what a, uh, a Bez 12 back the device is going to be. But... Yeah, uh, you know, I find it interesting that they uh, they basically went ahead and they brought every single component that they possibly could over to the Android portion of it to be able to go ahead and put that stuff in there. Um, some of it is deb debatable. I you know I don't I don't know whether whether or not DTEC actually actually brings anything to the to the party outside of just like basic common common sense stuff. I guess you could say, because it just seems as though that it's an app that's running on the device. It's nothing like, you know, it's nothing at the OS level or at the kernel level to be able to go ahead and and add any additional security. But with the pin injection and the, the, the boot chain and all of that stuff, the hardware root of trust that they have implemented, that's, that's some serious stuff that they actually did go ahead and change. Like, they're not just, in that respect, they're not just saying that they've done these things. They've actually done something, like, you know what I mean? Um, but again, I, I think DTEC is one of those things that's just like a consumer-facing common-sense application. I don't, I don't think DTEC actually does anything outside of just advise you of what's going on on your device for some common-sense scenarios. Yeah, it's almost like a like an enhanced security section for the device where you yeah. can kind of dr drill down on things your device can probably already do for you in terms of like some of the permissions. I know with Marshmallow they finally brought in permissions and things like that. I, I think it's pretty interesting. Alex, what do you think in terms of like the overall security? Like, Do you still think that basically at this point off-the-shelf BlackBerry 10 is going to be more secure than what they've accomplished on Android? I mean, I feel like Chen has been very vocal, at least in the blog posts that they've been doing. Well, not just Chen, even security. You know, people have been tweeting or blogging on uh, blogs.blackberry, and they made it really sound like it's almost at the same level as BlackBerry 10. They even said a few times like that it was at the same level. Um, I Again, do I think that it has the same level of security? Probably not, because, they again, they don't really fully, fully have as much control as they do uh, with BlackBerry 10, but I think that it's probably, they've been taking it very seriously, and I think it's up there. I mean, they, they are doing the 
you know, individual keys for each device, and when you boot up the device, it's going to be checking, um, you know, all the same stuff that it does on BlackBerry 10. So they're, I think that it will be at a level that at least the average person, like you and me, I think it'll be the same security. Oh, I, I think they did. They probably did it. But, you know, play, playing like both of your points off of one another, it's interesting because, you know, how much is going to be BEZ enabled or enabled through another partner? I know in some of the releases and news that we've seen come out about Priv, we've seen like mentions of Watchdocs and SecuSmart when talking about Priv as well, as if they've got an application suite already to go theirs. But will that be available at the consumer level? Like, will there be a Watchdocs preloaded on your phone and Android app? Probably not. So there's a lot more through the Bez that I think can be leveraged in terms of security, despite it already having a pretty good security foundation. Brandon, do you think security is going to play a lot into the success of this device, or is it the device itself, the hardware, and you know all the consumer offerings that's really going to sell it? Well, I think uh, you got to look at it. BlackBerry's philosophy has always been they want to leave you with a product that will help you be more secure, not less secure. So, as we've talked in the past, Android inherently a lot of because of the nature of how it was built and and things like that, it was inherently uh, less secure than their own offering. So it was kind of a kind of a prerequisite, if you may, if you will, uh, for them to get into Android. They'd have to do this because they want to give you a device that's secure. So uh, I think this is a great step in the right direction for them because um, I think a lot of people were worried initially when they were talking about releasing an Android device, a lot of people were worried that they were just going to, you know, sell out and just ha like throw it at the wall and see if they can manage to sell the numbers simply by having them as the, uh, the hardware manufacturer with the, uh, with the Android OS. But I think this shows that they have a lot more skin in the game when it comes to providing that security on Android. Uh, I guess time will, s will say Time will tell whether it, it does end up being more secure. I mean, we'll see. If it gets hacked in the first week, if it gets rooted in the first week, um, I mean, then there's some questions to be had. But, but here's, here's another side of that, okay? Basically, the device is essentially all about security and stuff like that. And as we know, within the Android community, a lot of people just simply enjoy the fact that they can go ahead and root their device. So yeah. does the device actually being rootable kill it in terms of the whole security aspect, or does it actually help it in the long run? <laughs> because, you know, it, it, it's easy to say that, yeah, if it gets rooted within the first 10 minutes of it being on the shelves that's a problem for BlackBerry that hurts BlackBerry's reputation because the whole device is based around security. However, at the same time, sales are going to be hurt if it can't be rooted by those, you know, in the community who actually do enjoy rooting their device. It's kind of a kind of an interesting scenario because there are people out there who are going to buy it because of the fact that it is a secure Android device, but there's also people out there who if if for some magical reason it can't be rooted are not going to buy it just because of that alone. Like, that's, they're, uh, you know, that's the, the, the Android enthusiasts love rooting their device. Yeah. And that's the catch-22, right? It can't be everything to everyone. Right? Yeah. I think uh, BlackBerry, they just kind of want to focus in on the enterprise and they need it to be secure. And I guess, I mean, if that fails, it could inadvertently 
become some popular, some device that gets popularized uh, via like rooting and things like that. But I think uh, I don't think it, if that were to happen, I don't think I think generally there are lots of people on Android um, that like to root their devices. But I think the the vast majority of people are just looking. Uh, to use the Android OS, the stock Android OS, without um, the actual rooting or anything like that. Uh, but that's an interesting point. Yeah, you know, and and speaking about even just um, encryption and security, I know that Google has really been cracking down for manufacturers, and they're like for Marshmallow, I'm pretty sure that encryption is turned on by default. They don't like that their platform isn't seen as secure, and they are really trying to make it secure. So the fact that, like, it's never been like that in the past, that when you bought the phone, the device would be fully encrypted by default, but they're doing that now because they don't want to, they, they want to move into this enterprise market. They don't want to seem like they're, you know, a joke when it comes to security. So the fact that they're focusing on security, I wonder if Blackberries, you know, they're trying to, you know, help them with a few things on their end as well. Have a nice, uh, nice relationship going back and forth. It's an advancement for Android. I think we all can agree on that because this is something Android didn't have. The question is, do people want this? Yeah. And, uh, and that's that's really what's going to be up to BlackBerry to do. So um, I'm, I'm really kind of hesitant at this point to go make a purchase, like, right out, you know? At, at least me personally. Like, I really am thinking uh, about waiting out and seeing, like, really what it offers. So, yeah, and you're you're not you're not alone in that aspect either because I I've spoken to many people who are like, you know, people on my BBM and stuff like that that you know they they basically come to me because they want some sort of insight into what BlackBerry did with this device and whether or not it's actually going to be worth it. Like I have a have a friend who who has a Note Five now, and he's like, give me one justifiable reason that I should go ahead and purchase a Priv where I'm already a Note 5 user, right? Uh, and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like, are your typos really that bad? <laughs> because the keyboard, the keyboard, the physical keyboard on the thing is going to be absolutely amazing. And if your typos are that bad, then basically that's one reason to go ahead and buy it. But I don't I don't know if, if anybody's typos are really that bad to be able to to you know, put that that sort of money down just for that one particular feature, <laughs> it's kind of kind of hard, especially for for Android users that are already exist because they don't, you know, a lot of them don't necessarily feel as though that the security and privacy aspect of it is, you know, very important because they're already using Android anyways, right? Right, and and those customizations and things and the extra access they're able to get on those devices is something that they would appreciate to some degree. I would agree with what you mentioned earlier, how it kind of pigeonholes you away from some of your potential market. So you're already like niche within you know the vastness of Android with the security yeah. focus. <laughs> what do you guys like honestly feel about like what we've seen so far, like the tagline "Privacy on" and and what that does for BlackBerry as a brand today, marketing online and abroad. Do you think that's the beginning of something maybe a little bit more outspoken, or is it kind of just a a general c c compliant term at this point? I don't know. I think it, it's one of those general things that they've tossed out, and I I don't know necessarily what to think about it because it it's kind of like one of those things where you expect BlackBerry to go ahead and focus on security and privacy 
as that's been their mainstay for a long period of time, but at the same time, I kind of wish, you know, that it, they had a went with, like, a, a better tagline, you know? We it's definitely not work-wide. Yeah, we, we, always want, we always want BlackBerry to go ahead and do something awesome, and I don't know, I don't know if Privacy On is, is as awesome as what work-wide was. Work-wide fitted the device very, very well, Especially with the widescreen aspect of the passport and everything, and even if we even if we didn't necessarily like the ads, the tagline itself was pretty good for the passport. I don't know, I don't know if privacy on is you know at the same level. Um, I, I'm stuck in a rock and a hard place when it comes to all of the advertisements at this point in time that we've seen for the proof because let's be honest here, a lot of them are, are really coming off kind of creepy. There, there's actually like, yeah. if you look, if you sit back and you look at the whole situation, there's actually like two sides of advertising going on when it comes to the priv. You have the whole privacy on side of it. I almost said privacy. <laughs> That's acceptable in the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get so, your privacy voice. <laughs> we have we have essentially two sides of marketing, which is going on because um, as I've seen and I'm sure everybody else has seen, you have the the somewhat creepy privacy on kind of ads that are happening as well. But if you go to if you go to BlackBerry.com, there's also those cutesy Android ads that are like with the android robots and, and you know he's like snuggled up underneath a blanket and he's like yeah I can relax now my privacy is safe <laughs> and he's like swimming in a pool and he's like yeah just catching some priv I'm like you know why <laughs> why is there two and why are is there two sort of marketing materials going on at the same time and why is one of them uber creepy and why is one of them like uber weird you know it's like I don't understand the marketing behind it. I'm very glad that they are doing marketing for once because that has always been something that we wanted. But I don't know how well the marketing is actually doing for them. You know, it, it's kind of weird. I kind of like, I kind of like the cutesy Android ones. I would, if I if I had to choose a side between the cutesy Android ones and the creepy lady in the shower, I would definitely go with the cutesy Android ones. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Some of them are just just out of this world, like this like ex machina, like <laughs> yeah, just wild. And and like Alex, could you scroll it up a little bit, or is that the top of the photo? It's the top of the photo. So like if you if you take a look at it, it's like her face is almost looking like she's looking to the to the left, and also if you look at it, she could be looking right at you, you know? So it's like super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I just like... I, I don't know how I feel about it. I wonder what they're trying to say and convey with something like this. Yeah, like I don't, I don't understand the ads, you know? I keep thinking, I'm like, maybe there's some sort of subliminal image in here that is like really making me compelled to go out and buy a priv, but I'm just not catching it, like... You know, maybe maybe it's some sort of secret embedded message, but I'm just not seeing it. You know what's uh, you know what I think is really got me uh, a bit confused with the marketing is that we were talking about BlackBerry Detect and all the security features they have incorporated into the actual hardware. Like, here's one example that I'm reading from the Inside blog that CrackBerry uh, posted about. It says, BlackBerry's hardware root of trust, a unique manufacturing process that injects 
cryptographic keys into the device hardware, providing a secure foundation for the entire <coughs> platform. Um, and it goes on to list a few other things that are built into the hardware. And so I was like, okay, well, does any of this get mentioned on the Priv um, page on BlackBerry's website? And when I went to go check it, I, I really couldn't find anything mentioning this. And, and, and it, the thing is, is that the, the Priv is a premium device. The, the price is not low. It's a high price. A lot of people are wary about that price, including myself. But after reading this about how the security is injected right from the start, from the foundation, inside the actual hardware, this is actually the first time where I'm like, hell yeah, like I can really see this price being justified based on these security features I'm reading about right now. Uh, and I think they really need to, to push that uh, instead of what they're doing now where people really just don't know what they're trying to say with their marketing. You know? yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from. It's it's yeah, almost it's like fair. it's almost like it's almost like they're just totally putting this thing over to the enterprise space. And like if consumers are interested, they'll buy it, you know? For whatever reason compelled them to have interest. Well I think that's honestly the case. Like I don't think that they actually intended on, you know, any sort of mass consumer appeal directly for it. But you know, it's kinda like one of those things if, if consumers pick it up, they're they're obviously gonna yeah, sell it to them. Well, you <laughs> know, if the they didn't, they're not going to say no. You can't buy this device. <laughs> but if they didn't care about the consumer market, they wouldn't have even gone to Android. Like this is yeah, this I mean, is an app play, and this is like they obviously do want the average consumer to look at it, and they did. Like it has decent specs. It has top of the line specs for a flagship coming out. If you're just focusing on enterprise, enterprise really doesn't care that much about being you know the most up to date specs. So I think you know they do have a lot of consumer in mind with this. This is definitely a consumer play. It just seems weird that it, it that they're focusing so much on such an enterprise focus when they're obviously doing a lot to appease consumers here. So Alex, can you, can you bring that photo up that uh, was posted a little bit ago and it showed uh, both sides, BlackBerry and Android because it, it really just, just seems like it's like a device that they're trying to compromise as little as possible across the board on it. So here on the left-hand side, we obviously have BlackBerry and what they offer. Me personally, I'm a little bit weary on the right-hand side. It, it basically sums at the bottom, you know, BlackBerry users wish they had access to a rich app ecosystem. And on the right side, we have Android. Android users wishing they had keyboard battery life security and privacy. And it's like when I, when I personally look at this, I'm not sure how good a sell those wish they hads are on the Android side. Do you, like, do you guys think Android users really are looking for a good keyboard, battery life, security, and privacy? I think battery life definitely. Uh, keyboard, there are people who are looking to it, but I don't think the average Android user is like, I wish I had a physical keyboard. But, and but, then also, yeah. But the thing, like, okay, I understand BlackBerry has, some, has patents on keyboards uh, for their devices, but I just don't understand how there hasn't been like there's been keyboard Android devices built, and they haven't. You haven't seen people clamoring for them. No, uh, you, you haven't even seen a niche market uh, being carved out by. But the here's the thing, though. All those devices were shit. Let's just be honest. They were all shit. They were all under spec. They were never marketed heavily. They were never pushed in any sort of way. They yeah. were all just straight up garbage devices that 
Motorola and you know HTC put out just to try and determine the market, but unfortunately they went about determining the market the wrong way because they never pushed any sort of appeal behind it. You know, fair points. Be that as they as that be that as it may, um, we have a company like Samsung who literally pushes out like what is it like five or six devices a year to hit every single segment of the market. Like, if they if they find out a piece of the market wants a pink device, they're gonna build a device specifically for that market that just wants a pink device. And even they haven't done anything with the keyboard. So I, it'd be interesting to see if we do see people clamoring for that keyboard with the priv coming out, or if they, or if they like, it, or if they like more having the option of a keyboard. Not necessarily, no, getting it solely for the keyboard, but having the option. To use it primarily as a touch device, but have that keyboard for those long messages. So it's it's a bit different from you know necessitating not like needing a keyboard, and and, and having a nice to have. Yeah. I think personally, I think that the keyboard is one of those big things that people are going to love because you know from from out of everything that I've seen thus far is a lot of people actually. Are interested in the proof due to the keyboard. Like you, you see the tweets. They're like, yeah, I want to try this just because of the keyboard and so on and so forth. I think the keyboard and probably uh, out of the three things listed here for what Android users wish that they had is probably the keyboard and the battery life. You know, I don't security and privacy is probably not exactly that on the top end of the spectrum of BlackBerry users wants and desires because otherwise you probably wouldn't be using Google anyways. <laughs> but the keyboard, the battery life is certainly something that can be appreciated uh, across multiple you know, Android users at this point because battery life is something that has always been something that has, I don't want to say necessarily a problem, but it's been a situation that Android users have had to have some sort of level of concern about in the past. And I think the keyboard offers a really compelling package. Um, you know, and, and to your comments, I think having the option of a keyboard is a viable situation as well. Okay, a lot of Android users are used to touchscreen devices, but there are scenarios in which they wish that they had a keyboard. And I think yeah. uh, I think BlackBerry is definitely right to go ahead and market that aspect of it and let people know that the keyboard is one of those things. And and what I feel like is being so like a lot of people are kind of overlooking is it's an optional keyboard. The fact that you can slide it out and you're not giving up battery life, like storage space. Like this thing, this thing is a slim, sleek device, yeah. and you still have the option to have a slide out keyboard. You're really not giving much up to get the keyboard aside from the pricing but again it's right up there with the the Galaxy Notes and you know it's it it's competitively priced for that too so yeah, they didn't they didn't compromise anything to be able to go ahead and add the keyboard on there they yeah, still got right. the battery life they still got the big ass screen they still got um, you know everything that an android user would want from an android device but they managed to fit a keyboard on there, and you know they 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 really do deserve some kudos for that. I mean, Apple got a ton of kudos for exactly how thin that they made the iPhone at a certain point in time, 
But I think I, I really do believe BlackBerry deserves some kudos for how thin that they actually came and made the priv with a freaking keyboard attached to it. Like yeah. there's some Android devices out there that aren't as as small as what the priv is. And they don't even have a keyboard, you know? <laughs> they need some, like, they need some, like, exaggerated claim, like, we've created the thinnest keyboard on a smartphone device. And then, like, start clapping or something at, like, a, at, like, a release, like, conference or something like that. Like, but having a thin keyboard isn't a good experience, <laughs> either. Like, I mean... Yeah, well, I having a thin device like great. doesn't necessarily equate having, like, a good device. But. Yeah. And, and, you know, there there are some things. The fact that BlackBerry made this device as thin as it is, um, since the actual screen that slides up, the top of the screen is very, very thin. So a lot of people complain about the 2-megapixel camera, but, you know, you really can't fit the largest camera in such a small area. And you do have to give some things up because of how thin the device is. But, you know, I think that it's thin enough to be like, wow, this is a thin device, and it's not at that level where it's like, Jesus, this thing is so thick compared to the competitors out there. I just right want now. to say something about the two megapixel camera. A lot of people that complained about the two megapixel camera are people that are using a device with a two megapixel camera right now, which is the passport. So, like, where, do, why, why complain about it? Like, why? You're 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 already using a device that has a two megapixel camera. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like I remember, like not even like five or six years ago, two megapixels, like. I had a camera that when I went on vacations, like I took photos with two megapixels, and I thought they were like okay. <laughs> it's just crazy how like the technology has increased over the the five years in terms of the uh, the, the cameras, especially in these mobile devices. What's the standard? Um, do you guys know what the standard usually is for front-facing? Well, okay, no? that's it's difficult a, though. That's it's usually a difficult question. Five or eight megapixels, but, but it's not all about the megapixels. It's also about the the ums. I, I don't totally know too much about all of this, but it has a 1.75 um uh, pixel size, and I know that the iPhone had like a two megapixel camera, and then they made it a five megapixel camera, but they had to lower the from like 1.5 um down to like 1.13. So it's like and and. When Apple first announced like the front-facing camera, they were toting that it had like such a high—I uh, don't know how to pronounce it—um or whatever the um. Like they were toting that it was like at 1.55, and that was high. Like that was a big deal to them. So the fact that you know this is higher than what they were saying it was last year, I guess like there, there's this whole battle that it's not just about the megapixels because you could have a 10-megapixel camera and it can still look like crap, but it's a big picture. You can zoom in and you see stuff kind of clear, but it's also about how good the camera is. I don't know, man. All I got to say is, like, there's still MacBooks being put out with, like, 480p cameras, so... Yeah. 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 Like, right, right, exactly. And we're here with, with probably, like, HD cameras, except for Alex. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, were making, we were just talking about that prior to the, uh, the upstream. What do, you guys think, what do you guys think about, like, the overall, like, what we've seen of the device with the officialized specs because it is on pre-order, shipping November the 6th, do you guys think, like, the specs are going to hold up in this market? Like, are there things you wish you had? Like, I know we've talked a little bit about, like, USB-C. Do you feel like it's necessary here? I mean, it does enable slim port connectivity on this I device. Think, I, think, I think two different ways about it. I think, basically, for the mass appeal aspect, there are things that should have been implemented on here, like USB-C, 
should have been one of those things if BlackBerry was genuinely caring about the the mass appeal of the device um, and, you know, sort of being ahead of the curve. I think that there are certain things, again, like USB-C that should have been implemented. However, personally, USB-C doesn't mean anything to me. You know, all USB-C means to me is that I have to go out and spend some more money on some cables. Like, yeah. um, you know, even Adam... Adam Zeiss, who used to work with me on CrackBerry, he tweeted he's he's all up in in the Android world now, and he's got you know uh, a Nexus device that came out that and he has to go ahead and purchase a bunch of USB-C cables. He was like, yeah, now I need to go ahead and buy a bunch of USB-C cables because I don't have enough. He only has one USB-C cable, right? So it, it's kind of like I'm, I'm torn about that though too. There's another way to look at it because. For me right now, we're going to get Quick Charge 2.0, right? And, like, my existing cables, I don't think they're going to support Quick Charge 2.0. So am I going to go and buy new, you know, rapid chargers anyway? Am I going to spend that money anyway? I don't know. That's a good question. What I about, mean, like, what about fingerprint scanner? Do you guys think it needed it? Like, kind of uh, would have been cool to see BlackBerry do something like that because they're marking security and all the other competition is. Do you think it's a value add for them? No, I think, again, it's one of those things where I would have liked to have seen it implemented for the mass appeal, but it's not something that I would use. Like, I don't I don't see any reason as to why it has to have a fingerprint scanner. It, it's basically something that's just tossed on there to say that you have it implemented, you know? Which, yeah, I'm definitely torn about that as well because I there's also the defense where it's like, oh, it's not as secure, but then it's like, well you know, what are the chances that someone's going to steal their fingerprint and things? And, you know, there have been so many debates about it that I guess legally if you get, like, pulled over in your car, the cop could force you to unlock your phone with your fingerprint, but they can't force you legally to unlock your phone with your password because password is considered encrypted because it's in the brain. Your fingerprint, when you go to jail, the first thing they take from you is your fingerprint. It's like it's a normal thing. There are arguments on so many different levels where I personally would have liked to have a fingerprint reader um, I haven't had a device that's had it yet, so I, it's not like one of those things where I'm like, I need this. Um, maybe if I use the device with it constantly, then I'd be like, oh, I really want this. But I have a few buddies who have the iPhone, and they have a case over it that don't allow you to even use the fingerprint sensor. So yeah. it's like there are so many people who have the technology, and they're not even using it. So is it really that great? Like, I got I an know. iPhone 6, and honestly, the fingerprint scanner annoys me because it pops up. Like, do you wish to, like, every time that you restart it, you have to do the, not necessarily the whole process again, but like you have to like either enter in your password or use your, your finger to be able to go ahead and download things, which I find personally annoying all the time. Um, but, you know, the iPhone has it, and I have an iPhone 6, and I don't use it because the fingerprint scanner annoys me. It's one of those things where you either either really love the fingerprint scanner or you have no desire to actually use the fingerprint scanner, and I have no desire to use the fingerprint scanner. But again, uh, you know, like Alex said, I'm I'm torn I'm torn between the fact that I would have liked to seen it, it it come with one, just because I know that there are many people out there who will basically down on the device simply because it doesn't have one, right? And BlackBerry has seen enough of that in the past. They're like, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
they're really trying to toss aside everything that's held them back. Like we look yeah. at the camera, the screen, you know, everything. They brought it all to the table, as Brandon said a little bit earlier. B dog, any kind of hardware additive that you wish was there on the device that isn't there, or do you think it's pretty solid as is? I think it's pretty solid as is. I mean the the main thing for me at this point, since in my view the smartphone market is kind of plateaued. And I think the real the real race is really gonna be with battery life. And this battery life looks to be pretty awesome. So uh, especially compared amongst the the peer the peer devices it's gonna be compared with. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. I mean, I have a passport, and I love not having to recharge it uh, every couple of hours. And I think that's going to be the main thing that I'm happy about, and I think that's the main thing that a lot of people want to get it. It, it might not be one of those flashy um, hardware features, but it's going to be one of those features that's going to make people <clears throat> really happy when they use the, use the device. And it's yeah. something sorely lacking in the market Um uh, especially over the, the past few years with devices increasing processing power exponentially, but battery power hasn't been increasing exponentially. And battery life consistently comes up, like when people do polls in regards to, like, what is your most important feature that you need on, on your phone? Battery life is one of those things, and it... it you know, in day-to-day -day operations, it kind of gets tossed aside because people have become accustomed to, like, sticking their phone on the charger, whatever the case may be. But it still comes out as being one of the top features that people desire from their phone. And, you know, that's been proven time and time again through polls and studies and everything else that, you know, you, you have to have a good battery life on your phone, otherwise people aren't going to appeal to it. Yeah, but and, I suppose and the iPhone iPhone tosses that aside too, <laughs> because people are still buying those by boatloads, and it doesn't yeah. doesn't have the best battery life. But ba you know, battery life and MAH are two different things. You know, it's really yeah. like software optimizations and a lot more that goes into it. iPhones doing their thing, I guess. I I'm really interested in the uh, the front facing speaker that we're gonna get on the Priv. The thing looks beastly, like across the entire bottom of the device. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's gonna be like louder and clearer than the Passport audio, or about the same. If it was even better, I would be really, really impressed. Yeah, it brings up a good point, especially, like, we've seen HTC sort of revert on their latest device, too, which, oddly enough, looks exactly like an iPhone, the A9. So they basically, they, uh, they what was the, the software Beats? Uh, I don't know what it was called. I can't remember now. My brain's all clouded up. But anyways, they, they they stopped putting their front facing speaker. Like they just basically boom sound. Yeah, that's it. They they implemented boom sound only through the headphones on their latest device. So boom sound isn't a part of the actual device feature, you know, for for playing music in any other part of the device except through the headphones. So <laughs> I have I have a quick question for you, Blaze. Do you have a two terabyte micro SD card ready to go? <laughs> no, and honestly, I probably couldn't afford one even any anyway. How much are those things running right now? I don't even think one actually exists. I think it's just <laughs> it's capability. But yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Thirty two on board. It's pretty solid, just like the Passport, and thirty four ten on the milliamp hour battery. We saw a tutorial 
come out online via TELUS, which was a really, really expansive look at what the Priv is able to offer from a software perspective. And it highlighted and took you through a, a couple of those different items. The actual posting has been removed from TELUS's website, very likely at BlackBerry's request, but a lot of screen captures were covered from the actual article, or from the actual simulation, rather. Very, very cool stuff. And Alex is going to take us through a couple of these now. Uh, Blaze, what are we looking at right here? It's kind of green. I don't want to say putrid, but I can't really see it well. <laughs> oh, what is that? Calendar. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the calendar app, which looks pretty <laughs> badass. I couldn't see it because it was too small. I was, like, trying to look at the little window. Yeah, that's the calendar app, which, you know, looks pretty much exactly like the BlackBerry 10 app. Um I'm Maybe. interested in seeing the month view because I know that's a pretty difficult feat um, to achieve a, a decent month view. Um, so I'm really interested to see how how they implement that. Yeah. So, so with the with the actual calendar app, uh, let me just bring some stuff up here. Um, there's keyboard shortcuts and everything that have been implemented into into the calendar application. So pretty much everything that you know from like BlackBerry 10. Has pretty has been implemented on the calendar app. Like, you know, um, if you press down on T, it will go to today. If you press down on G, you can go to a specific date. If you press down on M, it takes you to the month view and stuff like that. All of that stuff has has essentially been implemented. Um, there's also ways that you can basically go ahead and update or add on to the calendar app through updates directly from Google Play. So you can, like, um, you know, it, the calendar app itself may come pretty basic, but then you can download updates through Google Play for, like, uh, Android for Work support or external invitee indications and your meeting history and stuff like that. All that stuff can be downloaded directly through Google Play. Um, you can subscribe to public calendars. You can hide a calendar. You can even, you know, just, like, peek at the calendar. Um, you can also manage any of the events or anything like that um, through the actual calendar application. Um, and you can set reminders too, so you have your 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 simple reminders. So if you if I have a meeting with James on like Thursday at three o'clock, I can obviously go ahead, set a reminder, and then I'll get a pop-up notification that that date is actually coming. Um, all that pretty much everything from BlackBerry 10 has been has been implemented directly through the actual calendar app, which is pretty awesome because the calendar app on BlackBerry 10 itself is pretty damn good, and we know that, right? Yeah, it's it's excellent. Alex, how do you feel about the overall aesthetic here? With it's it's Android M, but we have some of the centered kind of you know signature action that we were used to on BlackBerry 10. Do you feel yeah. like it adds adds or takes away from the you know the material design aesthetic? So I'm definitely torn. I would prefer BlackBerry to you know do with what material design everyone else is doing with material design and that would be having the little um, I don't want to call it signature action because that was a BlackBerry 10 thing but that should be on the right hand corner um, but you know this is how it was on BlackBerry 10 and I could see it fitting here for the hub to an extent because like if you're scrolling through this would be covering up the timestamp um, and again like it's really such a little thing anyway Whereas in the middle, it's not really covering up too much of anything when you're scrolling through. So I guess I could maybe see why they put it there, but, you know, come on, BlackBerry. Just just keep consistent with everything else. <laughs> but it's really not that big of a deal. I don't think. I mean, when, when you scroll through, 
don't those action items hide anyway? No, no, the no. action it always stays on. Um, that's it, it. It would hide on BlackBerry Ten, but on actually Android, it's always there because it's supposed to be like you know this is the most important thing. We want it to be accessible at all points in time, and it fits. I mean, is it really that big of a deal to have a tiny dot on your screen essentially great or taken out for all eternity? It's not that big of a deal. Um, so. Again, I know some people are a little bit upset with it. I'm not overly happy with it, but, you know, they I like mean, to do their thing. I really like the way Hub is looking. Do we have, like, what the what the left-hand overflow or the left-hand menu looks like? Mm, I don't think but, so. Yeah, we do, actually. Let me just pull it up right here. Oh, there you go. That's from the, the TELUS leak earlier. Yep. Yes. So, Brandon... What kind of accounts do you think we're actually going to be getting here inside Hub? I mean, right now we're looking at BBM text message email. Do you, do you think we're going to get maybe Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? And, and what, how does that kind of integration happen? Does, does BlackBerry think, build it all themselves or what? Uh, I think the – okay. It's difficult to say because uh, the beauty about the Hub is being able to uh, get messages as well as read and reply to them and interact with them. So I think it's mainly going to be email, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I think that's probably... WhatsApp, WhatsApp and Viber were both confirmed through uh, BlackBerry Russia. And, yep, and then there's also LinkedIn, which was apparently it's going to be in there as well. And I would be incredibly amazed if they don't get Slack up and working sometime because, like, yeah, but it's Slack, not, I, It's not going to be one of those things where every app that gets notifications is going to be able to... Well, like, theoretically, they can have it so every single app that gets notifications shows up in the hub. You're just not going to be able to send a reply or something straight from the hub. It might be, like, a notification goes in, you press on it, it takes you to the app, right? Kind of like a notification center. But uh, I think uh, that's that remains to be seen, whether that's going to be added. So right now it's going to be mostly just like BBM, text, email, those apps that Alex and I mentioned, and uh, your call history like we see here. I think it's also important to note that some of the stuff isn't necessarily going to be there when the device launches because applications will need to be updated and so on. Yeah, and absolutely. The interesting, the interesting thing with, with the BlackBerry Hub is that because it is Android, they can continuously go ahead and update it as well if new features come out for it, if they want to implement new features on that side of it. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't require like a whole OS update or anything like that. BlackBerry could technically go ahead, push the APK directly to Google Play, and then you know if they want to add more accounts like, I don't know, Weibo or whatever, they could basically just push it as an update directly through the Google Play Store. You know, imagine if they, they open up an API or something in the future. Because yeah. again, uh, that'd be great. Or whether there was like a way to build into Google's own notification system and, and kind of subvert some of those notifications as the apps already create. Very interesting to see that it is pretty fleshed out at this point, even the calendar peak and pull at the top there. Do we know if BlackBerry has like a patent on on like the hub or like how it works or something like that? Is it something they, like some IP that they can actually, you know, potentially generate some revenue if, like, Google likes it and they're like, okay, we really want to implement it like that and we just buy it off of you or license you? Is that even a possibility with this? 
I mean, it is a possibility, but I, I've never seen any actual like paperwork or documentation to be able to say, yeah, they patent this specific part of it. Um, also, another thing uh, within the BlackBerry Hub, you do have your keyboard shortcuts as well, too. So uh, in case anybody was wondering about that, you can still press C to compose a message. You can press S to essentially do your search. You can open up the accounts view by you know, holding down on A or go to the next unread message in the list by pressing U. All of those keyboard shortcuts are directly in there for for in the list of messages, directly in a message, and even from uh, from the navigation drawer, you can directly go to the hub simply by pressing the H key. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. So well, yep. I, I'm really like frustrated. Before we talk about this composed tab, Alex, like, yep. where is like the hub attachment icon? Like, I need that in my life. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's like one of those things that, like, when they added it to BlackBerry 10, it was like, oh, cool. I could just essentially look at my emails from an attachment concept. It's like a different paradigm to kind of look at, and it definitely made so much sense. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe maybe in the overflow they might have little attachments sort by. I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> it's a little bit depressing. What the about? other the other thing that people are going to be interested in is triage. So just to just to let you know, I mean the the hub essentially works the exact same way. Um, you can directly update specific items directly from Google Play. So you can have like. Um, account ordering, prior date actions, you can have quick actions, which quick actions basically in this definition are, uh, it allows you to triage your inbox using quick actions such as delete, quick reply, uh, file, and pretty much everything else. And you can have like active sync out of office replies or um, custom notifications. Um, I know a lot of people have asked about custom notifications. So custom notifications, uh, you can actually set them just as on BlackBerry 10 for, you can set the custom notifications for specified messages and sounds and LED settings and vibrations and so on. All that stuff has uh, has been there. What about a pinch gesture? Uh, um, we have yet to see that, obviously. Yeah. That's my favorite, like, for me as well, really. It's interesting, if you go through the actual tutorial when it was up and you go to the search section, it's very interesting because it takes you through basically like a layered system of search. So messages between this time from these contacts and, and things like that. It was pretty interesting to see how like it had multiple layers of filtering. So I like search on Hub where I can just type in my email. If I have it synced forever, I can find it relatively quickly. It seems yeah. that, again, a lot of that stuff is being brought over here. Just yes. wish that the search and overflow in that hamburger icon were lower on the screen, man. If it was yeah. like... Well, okay, no, 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 no. But you will still be able to pull from the left-hand edge to get it, like the left side, like right where the mouse is here, if you can see it. You'll be able to pull from here. here, here. On the on the left-hand side, are there search and settings options? Are there or search and setting options? I, th I, th I think there's settings, Search would be awesome there because then I wouldn't have to always reach up to the top to just check the top right corner. Here, here's, here's something that you seem to be overlooking, and not necessarily overlooking, but just based, yeah. based on the visuals, you still have all of those keyboard shortcuts. That's true. So you don't necessarily have to go ahead and reach up to the top as yeah, long as it has type in. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, and I know exactly how you're thinking because you're thinking like, 
okay, if I have the device open and the keyboard exposed, I have to reach all the way to the top, but that's necessarily not the case because you have those keyboard shortcuts. If the, yeah. device, if the device is closed, you still have to reach to the top, but it's less of a reach at that point in time, you know? You're, yeah. you're, you're not extending the full length of the device at that point. Yeah. It, it's kind of like one of those things you'll realize it when you actually use it because it, it's not as problematic as it seems. And you'll get used to it anyway because, like, look where the search bar is. Like, literally in, in Google Play on the home screen, like, it's always at the top. So, like, you're going to be so used to that paradigm within Android anyway that you're just going to have to... It's, it's, it's actually keeping it consistent. I love, I love keyboard shortcuts. I should use them more. Yeah. I really yeah. should. My I problem is I can never remember them. <laughs> like yeah. I, I use I use L L T B S, but like even I'll long press like C and things like that to launch the compose card on BB10. But uh, and so and even you know some of the shortcuts too, like within say that you're inside of a an email, like clicking the little delete backspace button, it deletes the email. Like that stuff gets pretty efficient when you're going through. I did want to bring this up. We we very quickly like went over it. You can swipe to the left. So you kind of need to understand on Android, there's numerous swipe features. So like if you swipe to the left, you'll delete. If you swipe to the right, you'll snooze, which there's a really interesting thing along the lines of that. And then if you swipe from the left bezel is when you're actually going to get like the menu area to pop up. So you could kind of there's kind of two left swipes depending on how far to the left you do it. Um, the one interesting tidbit about the snooze um, is not only is it like, you know, snooze, uh, remind me tomorrow at 5 a.m. or whatever, but in theory, what they're saying is you can snooze, say that you get an email from, I don't know, Starbucks, and it's a coupon. Well, you can snooze that email to say, hey, remind me about this email when the next time I'm at a Starbucks, and it'll pop in next time you're at a Starbucks. Again, this has existed on Android in terms of a task to remind you, like, hey, remind me to tell my mom this the next time I'm at, at her house. Um, but this is taking it to another kind of level and being like, here's an email that you can snooze and create a task out of the email. And it's kind of, it's definitely clever that they're going through um, with that. They seem to be doing a lot. And, and I put in an article earlier, it seems like all the additions that they've put in are only to make the experience better. You know what I'm saying? Like the, everything they're doing is adding to the productivity, adding to the use case scenario, building in the efficiency of the keyboard. We're looking at the home screen right now. From the bottom bezel, you'll be able to swipe up and bring up these three icons, or long press on the home, and then swipe to the hub, Google Now, and/or device search. So I I wonder if these are going to be customizable or not. But at least as it's set up now, I found it kind of interesting that. The gesture is almost the same as the up right hook on BlackBerry 10 to access Hub, where it's they kind of positioned it to follow yeah. the same kind of gestural pattern, which I thought was pretty interesting. What do you guys think about um, the options that we're seeing here and bringing in some bezel gestures on Android? I think gestures are one of the things that makes BlackBerry 10 so powerful. So any any way that they could implement gestures and um, even like this little swipe up, we'll we'll get to it a little bit later. But swiping from the right bezel here is a gesture as well. Like any type of gesture, bring it in. Like that's that's something that really makes things more productive and efficient. Let's go through some more pictures though. So we've talked about this like plenty of times. Uh, obviously, you plug in a phone and it will show you kind of the charging indicator on the right hand side. Again, we've seen this dozens of times. Um, this is something that 
let's have Chris and some people talk about. Uh, there's there is a productivity edge that you could turn on and turn off. So again, if you don't want these little modifications to Android, you could turn them off. If you want like straight vanilla Android, you could turn some of this stuff off. The productivity edge, which is this little thing right in the right hand corner, and you could even optimize this. I'll show you a picture a little bit later that. You can say, I want it to be a little bit more opaque, or I want it to be flipped. I want it to be on the left-hand side. You could, you could, you know, do a lot of customizing for this because this might stick out a little bit too much, too more, too much more than you would like it to be. But I don't know if someone wants to take over. You know, what explain this a little bit, from at least so, what we understand. So basically, it's kind of like the actions that a lot of developers um, made use of directly in their BlackBerry 10 apps, uh, because you know how at the bottom of the BlackBerry 10 app, as you move throughout the app. Um, sometimes a button will change depending upon what the action is. You know, um, I can't think of I can't think of an application off the top of my head that actually uses it right now. But um, it is there. It was something that developers could make use of. So basically, when you're inside of any sort of application or quick application, you can basically swipe to the left or swipe to the right to be able to pull out that extra menu, and then you can quickly add. Uh, different functionalities based on the application itself. So, um, in the example that that's being shown here, um, you can directly tap on the calendar application itself to immediately go ahead and just create a calendar appointment, or you could go to uh, the email application, which is uh, you know to create an email or send off an email. Um, you can also create a note directly from there. So. It, it doesn't take you out of the mind space that you're in at that point in time. Like you don't physically need to jump into each and every single application in order to process any any actions on it. You can actually just go ahead, bring out the productivity edge, and you know quickly add a note by tapping on the note application, uh, or sorry, the note icon itself. Or you could uh, you know add a contact directly easily, um, all from the basic home screen itself rather than having to jump into the app, pull up the menu for whatever the application is, and then do whatever your your action is at that point in time. You can basically just swipe out from the productivity edge and then it will allow you to to complete that action itself. And as Alex mentioned, it's uh, it's something that, you know, it, it's probably one of those things that a lot of users may consider, you know, bloat. However, it is one of those things that's somewhat unique to, to BlackBerry as well because of the fact that it is there. And uh, you can disable it or enable it as you wish. If you don't want to to have that quote-unquote bloat at it, then you can just shut it off and you don't have to worry about it. Or if you, if you really do find it productive, you can leave it on. Yeah, and, and th this is definitely a workflow that I've experienced many times is I'm either in an email or in a message with a friend through BPM or SMS, and they'll say, hey, you know, do you have a, anything going on, you know, tomorrow or whatever, and being able to just swipe right here from the left, like I could be in the chat message, pretend this is the chat window, and just with my finger, swipe here, and I'll get this nice overlay being like, oh, you have, you know, blah, blah, appointment from 3 to 4 p.m. tomorrow, and then I could just, you know, click back and be right back into the chat or the email and not have to, okay, what would be the alternative? I'd have to click home, then I'd have to click calendar, and then I'd have to scroll and be like, okay, tomorrow, yeah, I have this going on. So, like, it, it really does help in terms of productivity, but, again, some people might not like this kind of stuff, and feel free to disable it. It's not that big of a deal. I want to talk about another gesture with those uh, 
pop-out widgets. Very, very cool. Which are badass. <laughs> yeah, they are badass. And, 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 again, and we're, we're kind of getting to a culminating point here when we talk about what BlackBerry's additions are actually doing to Android. But here's, here's what we're looking at right here. Within the widgets section of the OS, you're able to allow pop-out widgets for certain enabled applications. So a simple swipe on the actual app icon will actually allow you to pop up a very quick widget. What this ultimately does is allows you to peek in at notifications within an app, which is pretty cool. And a lot of this stuff, the productivity edge, these little pop-out widgets, a lot of it are trying to replicate that kind of hub gesture where we could do all of this in kind of one fluid motion. So a lot of you know productivity and, and access stuff has been built here. Yeah. What, what, what kind of apps so far are we seeing that have this kind of ability built in? So there's definitely Calendar, Messenger, um, you know, we did anything with those three dots underneath them. I know we've seen a few pictures in the past. Um, what those three dots are actually saying is you can either swipe up or swipe down on the icon itself, and it will pop up this nice little box, as James was explaining. And yeah. this is kind of really reminiscent of think about 3D Touch, which we, we actually talked about this a few weeks ago, that, you know, maybe this is like a 3D Touch kind of concept. And it's like you get to peek into an app, without fully going into it. Or like say that I want to go in to uh, my message and you know speak to Sarah Jones. Say I have a big list of people. Rather than opening up the app and then clicking Sarah, I could swipe up and be like, oh, Sarah texted me. And then tap her and I'll immediately go into her, her message. Rather, I, I kind of get to move through one step of, of it. So it, it definitely is like a 3D touch not being a 3D touch, not needing that, that screen. It's kind of funny because the example that they give is actually not really that good. I'll yeah, I agree. Here, <laughs> I tried. Here, I got a better one, Alex. Just okay. Hop in the chat and you can bring that one up. Um, the BBM example is, is probably one of the best ones for it because of the fact that it, it shows off. Like You can swipe up and you can see all of the chats uh, and everything else that shows up there. Like the Messenger application was a pretty bad example, but basically what it's saying is that you can swipe up or down on the on the BBM icon and your 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 widget window will automatically pop up. So you don't necessarily have to go ahead and add all these widgets to your home screen um, as you would on normal Android. These these widgets are pretty much action-based. So if you just swipe up or down on them, you get a quick look at what is going on within there, and you can actually take some action on it. Um, in the example that that's on the screen, like if I swiped up or down on the BBM icon, I could see that Paul Turner messaged me, and then I could just tap on Paul Turner and be directly dumped into his message, and then continue on with the conversation from there. Right. Um, so yeah. all of that stuff is is pretty unique. Like I, I've checked around. And obviously, I'm I'm aware that it, it's not a, a a vanilla Android experience. It, there are applications. There's there's one called Pop Up Widgets, which is available in um, in uh, in the the Google Play Store, but it, it it's not exactly the same as this. So BlackBerry BlackBerry really thought this particular feature out. And yeah. Pop-up widgets, what it actually did would, would you'd create a standalone icon. So I would create like a Chrome icon and I'd tap it and it would just create the pop-up. What this is actually doing is like, no, this is the exact like existing icon. I can either tap it or I can swipe up. If I swipe up or down, then I get this pop-up. Or if I tap it, I go into it. Like it's it's that app, but it's like done five times better, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And it 
it essentially takes the, 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 the native functionality of Android widgets and improves upon it too because again you don't actually have to add anything directly to your screen like I get the get the idea that some people will will automatically like having that that quick glance look by having these widgets added to their home screen but for me I always found as though that it, it cluttered up my home screen and I didn't yeah. like it right um, and it probably didn't really really help in, in terms of battery life either because you're essentially having applications running all the time to provide you with that that essential information but this it, when when it comes down to this you can still have that that widget experience without cluttering up your home screen and without you know having having a hit on the battery life or anything and, all, and really all you need to do is just go ahead swipe up or down on the icon and it pops up and i think i think blackberry when 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 they get around to announcing more of the priv information this is going to be one of the things that gets highlighted um, because it, it genuinely is one unique feature that they have have brought to to Android itself. Yeah, it, and again, like I, I realistically, part of me like the concept of force slash three D touch, and like this, in my opinion, blows that away in terms of how how they handled it. So it's like, yeah, if you press down hard, then you can make make a quick selfie if you'd like, or you can lightly push on a conversation. It'll blow up a little tab, and then you can push harder, and it'll go into it. Like. This, again, isn't exactly like 3D Touch, but their implementation for an icon, I think they hit it out of, the, out of the park, and I really can't imagine people wanting to disable this and be like, oh, this is spammy or this is bloaty. Like, I think it's yeah. smart. Definitely super smart. And, and that's not the only modifications they've made. Like, they've added in some other neat little bits here as well. So I will walk it back on Alex's screen, and this is what looks to be like the recent application section of the OS. So I believe that you're going to access this by hitting the square, Alex. Am I, am I correct in that understanding? Yeah. So instead of taking you to the general multitasking carousel, it actually brings you into something that looks a lot like what we have on BlackBerry 10 with active frames. So you can actually delete these different frames by swiping either left or right on them. And you can also hit the X to close them out. And they are sized by priority in terms of you know, most recently used and most frequently used. So it's kind of cool to see this, and, and I love that clear all button is there so you can just shut everything down very quickly. What do you guys think about this version of multitasking in comparison to active frames? I'm really curious about this here. Does this look like it's actually modified to look like an active frame? Like, it did it change the information around a little bit to fit nicely here, or is this just... Because, like, the placing of the week 41 and then October 4th to 10th, and this square, it looks like it was literally like active framed, you know, it, like it, it actually. Moved yeah, it was. Around. It was definitely modified in some sort of way. Yeah. Like, so it was, it was customized to be able to go ahead and fit the, I guess you could say, the most amount of information possible within that actual window itself, and you know that's that's pretty much what an active frame does. So. Yeah. So this really looks like they are trying to bring active frames over. Yeah, that's right. you know you you wouldn't get that exact same information through like the the regular Android uh, task manager carousel. Yeah, it's very very interesting to see. Brandon, do, can you see yourself using something like this? Do you think it's more productive for you than what we're previously using on BlackBerry Ten? Because BlackBerry Ten is almost like from an organizational standpoint, it all works together cohesively. But if you look at the items individually, they don't always work together. And with this device, it kind of looks like we're getting a little bit more of that unification in terms of what they're doing. What about you, Brandon? Do you, do you think this is something you could see yourself adopting? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, the I, it was news to me that the three dots thing, is that going to be unique to the Priv? Or is that just something that's coming up in, in the Android software? No, the no. Three as, dots? as far as I know, that's unique. Yeah, it's unique. So something like that, that's going to be, that's going to have a lot of value added for for people who, who already like Android and are looking for a new device. That's one of those value-added things that people are going to be like, okay, this device, it's got Android, it can run all the apps I really like, and it has the same operating system as the base, but there's a few things that it does a bit better. Uh, it's really going to come down to whether these features, they're, they're useful, like these active frame things. I use active frames on my BlackBerry. Um, they're nice to get glances, like little snippets of information. I wouldn't really necessarily say active frames are the most useful, to be quite honest. I think the, the widget functionality is going to be a lot more useful. And it really depends on how these recent apps are going to work. Uh, is it confirmed that it's just going to be you tap them and go into the app? Or can you actually interact with them like a widget? Uh, that's a good question. I'm pretty sure you have to uh, have to actually like Enter. tap directly into it to be able to yep. go ahead and do full functionality. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, if it, it works basically the same way. I mean, I, I use active frames in a similar way. You get the, the snippets of information, and you, you tap in quickly. It's an easy way to have that, as you said, James, that flow of that, that workflow on your device, easily being able to switch, switch and, and flow into different applications uh, as you're working through different things. Uh, and this latest apps uh, pane here is just another way to, to improve that efficiency there. I want to see if they have like an, an open. I want to see if they have like an opening animation or something where like when you tap it, it kind of like zooms into the screen or it just kind of <laughs> just kind of like does it instantly or something like that. Because yeah. I I just would spend days flicking active frames back and forth, you know. <laughs> yeah. Bored at the, so, bored at the airport. There, this is there are two more quick pictures we're gonna go through. This one I mentioned a little bit earlier. Figured I'd at least show it off though. Um, so the little side uh, bar that you can peek out. This the productivity is, edge, Alex. Yeah, sorry, dude. There's too many names going on here. I'm, I'm getting a little overwhelmed. Um, but yeah, so the productivity edge, you can have it on the right side or the left side because I know a lot of people complain, like, you know, I am left-handed, so this would be better accessible on the left side. So, like, they are, you know, taking that Android customization and, and you know, transparency and size. I do like that. It's such a little thing, but the fact that they're even doing this shows that they do understand that, you know, users should have some type of control. So just happy to see that. Nothing too special. And then last thing that we'll go through here, again, we just talked about this, but, you know, here is kind of what it would look like. Say that you hold down the N key, then it's like, well, here are some recommended apps that you can set to the N key. Do you want it to open an app, speed dial, send message, or all shortcuts? Um, and you can just click, you know, I, I want to open an app. And then select, well, I want N to open up notes. So now from here on out, you click the N key, and the notes app will open up. So again, if you have never had a physical QWERTY keyboard in an operating system, man, that is one of the most productive things that you can can add to. Like, it, it's insane how much, like, how quickly you can open up an app. Say, I want to open up the camera, just just clicking the C button or the Notes app, N, um, T, Tasks. There's like, it's just mind blown if you've never used it before. Trust me, it's one of those things that it makes everything so much easier. 
I'm really stoked for it. And, and again, they, they weren't overbearing with these changes either, right? It, it, it's hard. We really have to look at them frame by frame to even see some of the changes that they've done. But I think all of them are, are for the better. And I think people, yeah. especially people like familiar with Android, are actually going to appreciate the subtle, right. subtle things they've done. Yeah, and I think these are... Uh, I think the difference what we see here with what BlackBerry is doing, I know a lot of people have the reservations about uh, an, a hardware manufacturer adding wrappers to the Android OS. There's been a resurgence in people who really just want to get the Nexus devices because it's stock Android without any of the uh, that hardware, wrap, hardware wrapping and blo bloatware on the device. But what we really see here on, on a priv is that it's... It's not bloatware device. It's, it's actually stuff that's meant to to make the device, the OS, more efficient for you. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether it's gonna whether there's, there's gonna be some performance hits because of this stuff being added or whatnot. I mean, if somebody picks it up and compares it to the Nexus, for instance, whether there's gonna be some some slow animations or something like that that might make someone feel like it's clunky, like. I know when uh, John Chen gave that demo, that famous demo, what was it, like a month ago, it did seem a bit clunky, and it's really, it, really going to come down to whether the device runs fluid with all these things on it. I'm going to say John Chen was probably the clunkiest part of that video. <laughs> maybe, maybe not the priv, but uh, you know, we don't know how far along the software cycle that was either. It could have been sitting yeah. in a box for, for who knows how long. Look, but... Uh, I'm pretty sure when people actually get their hands on this device, it, one of the very first things that they're going to say is that, wow, this is so much faster than it looked in all those crappy videos. Yeah, I look forward to it. So I, I want to kind of do a small transition here into what you really get from the Priv. And, and I want to ask the question to, to all of you guys here. What does the Priv give you that you don't already have on BlackBerry 10? Is it just the apps? Is it is it the hardware? Does that really like, you know, bring an edge to the conversation in terms of you wanting it? I'm just interested to see like where the interest comes from outside of just like a fanboy perspective. Like we're gonna get it anyway, whatever the case may be. Are you guys actually interested in this device? And do you think it offers more than what previous BlackBerry 10 devices already offer? <laughs> I want it for wearables. Like I wanna like I uh the Blackberry developer who did Talk to Watch, he's done a great job, but I mean he's limited in what he can do. And I just really wanna be able to to use my pebble to its full potential. And that's one thing I'm looking forward to personally. Uh for I guess selfish reasons. I wanna use it to for this device I have. I wanna make the best use of it, get the most out of it. Uh, but also for other cool things as well, other other technology that, you know, I think one of the things that uh, that will be an advantage when, like, using when I move over to this device is that when a company comes up with, like, a new gizmo or gadget or something like that, I mean, 95% of the time they have an Android app available to use right off the bat, and having this device can almost guarantee that that app or whatever or that device is going to work with my smartphone of choice now. Uh, that's going to be one of the, the big things is that peace of mind coming to the applications and being able to use them along with other technology like wearables. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I've currently been using 
um, honestly, Relay for Reddit, which is an Android app. And it has been running fairly well on my Z30, but I'm looking forward to just getting these apps as intended, running at, you know, 60 FPS, 30 FPS, and not having these random crashes and things going on. Um, and, and from a very kind of different aspect from productivity, um, I did really like the Passport when I was emu playing emulators on it. I was playing old Game Boy Color games, and we actually did a video on it for Berry Flow, and... I mentioned this in a few threads that people have been talking about it. It's going to be nice to just have the physical keyboard there because using an emulator in gaming, it's so much easier having you know a physical keyboard to you know move around and press buttons on as opposed to the on-screen keyboard. Pressing glass isn't very you know fulfilling. It doesn't feel like you're actually doing things, so it's it's difficult to game on that. But then going back to a productivity standpoint, there's uh, the CRM that, that my, my company uses is an Android-based app, and I rely on that on a daily basis. So it's, it'll be nice to have these apps in Slack and things just working well that I literally use every single day. So I am looking forward to the app aspect from a productivity standpoint that, you know, unfortunately we weren't able to get the same match functionality to BlackBerry 10. Um, yeah. I'm not so much in the app conversation myself, and I feel like BlackBerry 10 already does so much that it's almost like you're you took everything BlackBerry 10 had and you put it now on a, on another platform. So it's like you're almost like reselling me what you've already sold me. I feel like, <laughs> and I feel like if if the device did a little bit more, I'd be like more inclined to actually go and buy one myself. But I I probably will not. Just because I think BlackBerry 10 is going to ride out, I, I'm still kind of concerned as to what comes next. Is it an all-touch Android device like everybody else? Is it, you know, more keyboard-type devices? Does does the Passport get an Android update or something? Like, I, I'm curious to see what comes next for them. And if wh what's the target for Priv? Five million devices in a year? Yeah. yeah. And and that's a pretty that's honestly a pretty small target in my opinion. So. You have this premium price tag. You work with your 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 you know enterprise customers to try to sell it, and you you show out that consumer interest and get people on board. You're gonna sell Priv. Priv Priv will probably do well enough. But what comes after that? Do they, you know? Yeah. Are we gonna see a tablet from BlackBerry, an Android productivity tablet, or or, or what? Do they do they license this kind of version of Android that they've created? I think a lot of the focus too with these modifications are, you know, having the keyboard there, like the the short. Obviously, you can disregard shortcuts and stuff, but like part of what makes this BlackBerry 10 mod what this BlackBerry 10 mod is going to be for Android is the fact that there's a keyboard and you can do these quick actions and and things. And I think to get the full experience, I really think all their future devices are going to have a keyboard in it in some way, unless there's really so much demand that people are like, I want a thin. I'll touch slab, just like everyone else out there. But I want your security and your your. I mean the black the BlackBerry 10 keyboard is dope too, you know. So one way or another, people might want it. And and I think especially if you kind of just like kept the curved screen and just did a an S6 Edge, but a BlackBerry version, I think people would buy it. I really do. There's a lot of people like Z30 diehards who never went to Passport who still want that all touch successor. Yeah. And if it ran, if, if it ran Android, I think. Yeah, I'm one would, of them. Yeah. Yeah.
by by force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I want to talk. We're gonna go over this briefly because we got some questions we got to get to as well, and then our after show after that. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about BDM channels getting a small backend update to allow scheduling of posts. Kudos to Blackbird finally getting that out, or at least the BBM teams. Do you guys think there there's some backpedaling in terms of what's going to come on for BBM channels? Like, I, I've said many times, like, BBM is awesome. Channels is awesome. Why isn't it developed more? You know, as they focus really in on the software kind of feature and, and really having software as their main focus, do you think BBM channels might get some love down the line from the BBM team? Or... Was this a happenstance update that has no meaning whatsoever? I think it has no meaning whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> given given the amount, uh, the time frame in between in which we've actually seen additional stuff, it's kind of like they had this kicking around and they just decided to go ahead and make it live. <laughs> it which is me. unfortunate because I actually like channels, right? Like, But, you know... What are you gonna do? You can't. I don't. I don't know if there's much traction happening on you channels. Know, BlackBerry isn't very forthcoming with any sort of information about channels. It's just like if they can integrate now PayPal into the whole BBM experience, and then they can get with brands and then offer things sold through BBM channels on their channel, scheduling posts for sales and different things like that, where people can just you know pay through B, through PayPal. I see like a long road for BBM, and I wonder if that was just a small like all right. Let's see if if we can get something going forward. But again, that's that's a lot of talk because they have the Amazon partnership and they never did anything to that effect either. You know. You know, and it's funny because like there's something with BBM channels that I still really like compared to something like Twitter, and that is like, say that I, you know, follow someone on Twitter. It doesn't mean I necessarily want to see every single thing that they say because you know people tweet a lot in a day. One person I follow might tweet 50 times in a day. And whereas BBM channels, if I follow something like Berryflow, I get that notification that Berryflow sent a message out because I'm following the channel or I, I have it like favorited and everything. I get excited. I was like, oh, this might be some new BlackBerry information that I haven't heard about yet. Whereas the same doesn't go for uh, Twitter. You could obviously be notified whenever someone tweets, but you're going to get a lot of useless notifications. So I kind of like that. I think higher quality content has been pushed on channels. And I don't really feel like there's any platform really that people are consistently putting high quality content, not posting as often, but when they do, it's like higher quality. So I will be sad to see, you know, channels not be as integrated, but I do hope they keep doing something with it. Um, to just make it a platform to sell me things. I mean, it, it has to be about brands, and, and that's a tough thing for BlackBerry right now because they're not a brand that really wants to be, you know, associated with in the general sense. So maybe with Android and, and Google not necessarily getting behind but supporting BlackBerry and what they're doing, it can start changing some of that perception and, and make some of those things happen. As well, we saw some commitments from John Chen on the security and privacy of these devices and what's coming ahead, to, you know, to ahead with Priv. Do you guys think that a commitment like this is is important to do at a time like this when you know cybersecurity is such a huge deal? I mean, I believe Kleidermacher was on CNN the other day, and he did a piece, you know, a stand-up where he was talking about IoT and, and really how cybersecurity is just so important these days. And when you look at the scale of the Internet of Things and these kind of connections, you know, what it's really going to mean. So, do you think an Android device changes the kind of customer BlackBerry wants to go for? Or does it redefine it for a kind of a new age of what BlackBerry is doing as a software services, you know, company? 
I don't know. I think it just opens the doors to more potential customers who necessarily wouldn't have picked up BlackBerry 10 devices because of the, you know, the the perceived lack of capabilities between those devices and the application ecosystem and everything. I mean, it, it certainly opens the doors to more customers for BlackBerry in, in some regards. Um, going Android doesn't necessarily guarantee any sort of success, but the potential is there for them to go ahead and do that, and especially if they if they really are committed to actually improving upon Android, um, you know, the, it, it does also open up the doors to to potentially further relationships within the Android ecosystem directly with Google or even with Samsung or whoever, right? Because if if um, if these other OEMs actually start seeing what BlackBerry is doing, it, it, it basically pushes everybody forward, um, especially if people like what BlackBerry is doing. Uh, you know, it, it, it breathes new life into it, and it breathes new life into BlackBerry. Um, again, going Android doesn't necessarily guarantee success, and nobody's... I'm not going to say that, yeah, they're, they're going to be 110% successful with this, and everybody's going to be fawning over it, but... Um, it at least opens the doors and gives them the potential to to expand upon their horizons of what they have, because I mean, no matter how you look at it, BlackBerry 10 sort of came to a standstill. What are what what are you going to do further with BlackBerry 10? Could they have done more with BlackBerry 10? Probably, um, but it reached the point where you know the the apps became a problem, the workarounds became a problem for everybody uh, who is interested in it, and you know, I, I think with the Android move, it expands their horizons and opens some new doors that potentially were closed just because of the fact that they only had BlackBerry 10 to rely on. It, it's very, very coy that in the end of John Chen's piece, he says, you know, this device is for BlackBerry users who need it all. Choice, innovation, security, privacy, and productivity. And I would really like this device to be kind of, you know, marketed as a no-compromise device. You know, it gives you everything you could want in in one awesome package. But uh, I guess we're, we're going to be seeing a lot more of Priv coming soon. November 6th is when these devices start shipping. We may get some kind of official announcement or, or something <laughs> to that effect down the line here. Um, maybe sooner. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's pretty much out there. I mean, Marty Beard says that there's more coming directly on Tuesday. So, you know, today's Sunday. We got Monday to, to basically ramp up, and then there will be some more stuff happening on Tuesday directly from them. So uh, as far as I know, anyways, he said, you know, there's more coming. So there has to be more coming at, at some point in time this week, uh, whether or not that be Tuesday. Yeah, that's a different story, but uh, at some point in time this week. It's coming, guys. It's coming. <laughs> a lot of people wondered, like, how is this device going to launch when no one knows about it? I'm like, come on. They'll do more than a press release. Give them a break. <laughs> yeah, they'll do more than, more than just that John Chen blog post for sure. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So, Alex, let's do transition here. Uh, let's talk about these patrons. Do we have any questions today? Yeah, so we have a couple questions within this one comment left here, and we've discussed a little bit on some of this, but may as well bring some of it up again. Uh, do you think that the 2 megapixel camera is enough for today's specs? Um, looking at the specification sheet, what is the top feature, and it's weak, and what are the weakest points of the Priv? And, you know, 
what should BlackBerry actually do with the launch event for the Priv, if there is one? Again, we've kind of went over a few of these things, but what do you guys think about the 2-megapixel two, two camera and, you know, good features, bad features of the Priv? Hmm. <laughs> That's not Brandy what I asked. Brandy right now. <laughs> it's, it's, um, you know, with the camera... I could care less. Two megapixels, it really comes down to software. If your two megapixel camera is, you know, you're looking rough in it, it's either you or your lighting. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I, I'm not the kind of person who needs a five megapixel camera. I feel like there's bigger, there's bigger problems out there for me than that. Yeah. And it yeah. will have the panorama mode, the selfie panorama, which no one's really discussed much of at all. But, um, again, we don't really know how that's going to go, but think of panorama mode and think of it in selfie. Uh, they obviously went out of their way to implement it, so it's probably going to be somewhat interesting, but it might be a gimmick. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I think there's just too much focus on, on it being two megapixels. I mean, who cares? <laughs> yeah. When even Even on the iPhone, like... I've seen some absolutely horrible front-facing iPhone camera pictures. So, you know, nobody, there, there is no one who is definitively leading the way in selfie, selfie cameras. So, come on. You know, it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad, whatever the case may be. But You know, let's be realistic, too, because there's just this huge post that blew up on, on Android subreddit, and it was about how bad the Snapchat app is for picture quality and the reason for that is the app rather than physically taking a picture it's really just taking a screenshot of the screen which is showing the front facing camera so it's not even really utilizing the camera it's taking a screenshot so it's like even if you did have a friggin like a 10 megapixel camera you're not going to even get a better selfie front facing picture for snapchat because that's not really the way that it works so <laughs> Some some apps that utilize and rely on the front-facing camera, like it really does not matter that much how great that front-facing camera is. It's still going to be blurry. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Especially if you have like a low like a low resolution screen, you know, you're gonna have the same kind of. Oh man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so what was the the second question was on um. Um. So what are the top features of the device and and its weakest points? I would say, keyboard. The, the integration of the Android software for, like, Hub. Um, D-Tech looks pretty cool. I think it's going to help a lot of people who don't wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily look at some of those things if it's not put, like, in a very easy and accessible place. And, and I think it's a good show for BlackBerry that at least they, they have something there that you can access yourself to manage your security as opposed to digging through the settings of Android itself and, and you know, the security features there. Um, some of the weaker areas, I feel like we definitely could have used an upgrade to like USB-C. Yeah. I would have, I would have still liked a little bit bigger of a battery personally, like especially when you had the Passport at thirty-four fifty. I, I yeah. imagine maybe, maybe it's like for for size and weight and whatever that they they slimmed out on it a little bit. But which it's it, so funny because you listen to what people are saying about the battery though, and they're hyped about it, man. So oh yeah, like compared funny. to the the three thousand milliamp batteries they get on you know yeah, no devices, so. there's like two or three devices. I think yeah. Samsung's like at 26 and iPhone's like 22. It's rough. Yeah, or if you get the Plus version, which again, the the Plus is a, a large phone. So how many hours did they say the battery would last? 22. 22. 22.5. 22. Yep. Yep. And that's mixed usage. And again, like you know, all these Android people talk about SOT screen on time. 
obviously you're not going to get 22.5 screen on time. Um, people flip out if you get like six hours of screen on time. So do we think that this can achieve that? Maybe. And if people would be impressed by it, then great. Um, again, we'll see. Some of the other things, I, I really think they've... And, and, you know, it sucks to say this, but they've took, like, the things I loved on BlackBerry 10 and they have recreate them on Android. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of... Even, even the way, like, the productivity edge, the bezel gestures, the hub, even the way that that seems integrated, it seems pretty passable. Yes, yeah. it's not an exact copy, but they've done a lot to kind of bridge the gap in terms of even, like, the little, you know, pop-up widgets as well. Like, they've given me peak, they've given me flow, and they've given me the extension of those services... On Lollipop, maybe Blaze has an, an eye on this. On Lollipop, is the share framework that they have as robust as it is on BlackBerry 10? Is it about the same in terms of sharing between applications on Android? Uh, I wouldn't say it's as robust. It, it does come close, but, I mean, it's one of those things that can, can be improved upon for sure. Um, I don't know if BlackBerry has any capability to actually go ahead and improve upon that themselves or if that is, like an Android fundamental thing, but it, it's not it's not exactly far off from what BlackBerry 10 is, so I don't I don't think the majority of people will actually really notice a difference. I mean the hardcore users will probably notice it, but nobody else is is really gonna notice. Yeah, it'll be brand new for everyone else that's probably gonna be getting this device. Yeah. Just to us, you know, we had BlackBerry 10 as kind of a, a, a foundation to understanding it all. Yeah, and you know it's kind of funny, too, that, like, one of the things that I, I'm not overly excited about, but at the same time I kind of am, the fact that, like, I have this Verizon Model Z30, and it does have wireless charging, and I bought a uh, Quid adapter or whatever, and I do, I've been using it a little bit lately, it's not the best, but I've been using it, but I actually, through work, I have a client who runs a construction company, and they just got these integrated key adapters into countertops. So, like, you could integrate it into your kitchen and have literally this built into your countertop. So you just place your phone down on your countertop, and it'll start charging. But, again, if you don't have wireless charging in your phone, you can't even use that. So I'm advertising this product or product for him on the website, and so many phones can't even utilize it because phones are saying, like, oh, wireless charging is a gimmick or whatever. And, like, brand-new phones coming out don't even have that. So I'm, I'm hyped that, you know, we're actually going to have it and keep having it. Um because it's just one of those little things that we don't have to have, but, you know, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll definitely take it as well. I mean, ease of access is ease of access, especially if you're starting to build those things into your furniture and appliances. I mean, yeah, I want to keep having it for sure. What about you, Chris? Wireless charging? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of stupid. You still have to plug in the wireless charger. (laughs) Yeah, but, no, that's the thing. And the counter, like, what I'm trying to get across is, the countertop, there's you don't see any wireless thing because, like, in the middle of your kitchen, like, it's plugged in underneath there. You don't see it. So you literally just have this clean countertop with this little, like, circle. You place your phone on this circle, and it starts charging because people That's oftentimes cool. put their keys down. and Yeah, so it's, like, wireless charging using this ask, one right now. But let me ask you something, Alex. That That yeah. is cool for that individual who has access to those things, but are your parents going to toss in, you know, an island in their kitchen with wireless charging in it? You can you just use a, an existing countertop. My my stepdad, uh, he's he's starting to install them for people. So, I, they do have an adapter that you can plug into your phone, which is ugly. It's like you plug it in there, and it's this circular thing. So if your phone doesn't have wireless charging, you can still place it down, but that defeats the purpose of it. 
So it's 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 kind of future proofing it. Like uh, yeah, uh, sure, most people won't have it short term, but we're talking Alex. about months down the line. Yeah, what's up? Alex, the question you have to ask is does wireless charging improve the efficiency of charging the device? I don't think it does. No, it doesn't. Is it hard for people right now uh, to use a cable to charge their device? Like, is there a big swath of people that keep losing cables that can't recharge their device? No, I have so many damn cables that I think they're making babies to try and kill me. So. Yeah, I'd hazard a guess that people don't experience that issue nearly uh, that much. And so I think it's more of, uh, yeah, sure, like it's an aesthetics thing. Um, like Ikea, Ikea announced they're building some new furniture with uh, charging spots built into them, yeah. tables and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a nice aesthetic thing. Uh, do I think it's, it's really that, the, uh, like the point. Actual, but, like apostrophe feature you know, no, but the, the point is, would you rather just would do you want the manufacturer to make the decision that you don't make be able to make that choice anymore? Like you can't buy that that IKEA furniture because if your phone doesn't support it, then why the heck would you even buy it? Your yeah, the but, phone is making the decision for you. I I'm not saying that this is amazing feature that people love and things, but it's like I'd rather have the choice if I could. I'm not saying that yeah, I love this feature. I'm just I'd rather, I'd rather than choice. I'd rather have it than not. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. In wireless charging isn't necessarily mandatory across the board. Like, I believe there was actually some debate about whether or not wireless charging was going to be available on the PRIV for all devices because the Canadian homepage for the PRIV said that wireless charging wasn't available. Meanwhile, the American page did. So here's the thing. American customers are probably going to end up with wireless charging on their devices and Canadian customers aren't because it's not actually a mandatory feature within the Canadian uh, ecosystem. Like carriers don't even really, they don't even really care about wireless charging on the Canadian side of the spectrum. It's not mandatory. It's basically just considered an added feature at that point in time. Well, so, I'm curious about that. Keep going on with that. Um, Because the, the FCC, they passed three variants, the STV1, three and four, and they all had wireless charging spoken about, and I know Canada doesn't have to go through um, the FCC from what I've been told or whatever, so is the the V1, three or four going to work in Canada? Because if that's the case, then it should have wireless yeah. charging, right? It'll work. It'll work. But here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing that I believe, here's how I believe that it's essentially going to go down. They may, share, they may share the exact same version number and everything like that, but there are essentially going to be two different models for essentially the Canadian market and directly the American market. If you, let's say for example, I go to the U.S. and I buy Priv, okay? It's going to have wireless charging. If I buy it from like anywhere within the U.S., it's going to have wireless charging. If I buy it from a Canadian carrier, I don't believe as though that it's going to have wireless charging because it's not a mandatory requirement for them to have wireless charging. But why would they? Why would they add complexity to the uh, manufacturing process? By That's what I don't understand too. I have no idea, but I'm just saying, like, uh, I'm almost sure that that's how it's going to work out because it's you know. From what I recall, it adds a little bit of weight to the device and it takes up some space. So if you're going to put it in some devices and not in others, that just seems really strange to me. Why would you start developing some products that have it and some that don't? Is it really that big of a deal to leave out? For all we know, it was a prerequisite from the carriers because if you yeah. look back, all the carriers who have brought BlackBerry 10 devices in have had wireless charging. 
if we look at Z30 for Verizon, AT&T Passport. Yep, exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's probably a carrier requirement or request uh, more than anything else because it's a selling feature they can push across the board or something. Yeah. Exactly, and Canadian carriers, Canadian carriers don't make that requirement. Like, there is no mandatory requirement from Canadian carriers to be able to go ahead and do that as far as I know. So, you know, it's one of those things that people are going to have to have to look at and consider, like, is, it wor is wireless charging worth actually importing an American one or is it just something that you really don't care about? Because as far as I can recall, none of the... None of the Canadian issued devices, uh, you know, the classic didn't have um, wireless charging within Canada or anything. So, what other questions do we have, Alex? Oh man, let's see. So, should BlackBerry shrink margins for bigger bigger market share at the beginning of the Priv's life cycle? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I think basically people who are going to buy it are going to buy it. Yeah, they if they were to shrink any margins on it, then they'd essentially be losing out on some money there. And I don't think their game plan is to lose any money. I, I believe they game. are increasing their margins on it, probably based on the price. They're probably gonna be, like if they can sell five million of these devices at that price. Dude, you could sell less devices and make more money by just having a higher margin. So yeah. like maybe the reason yeah. why they're saying we only need five million is because they're fairly high margin. Well, but yeah. There's a lot that's, of RNG that, that goes into a phone. That's pretty much why it went from ten million to five million. <laughs> because the yeah. price is higher. <laughs> like yeah. that makes logical sense. Yep. Um the other thing is when it comes down to to market share, I mean <laughs> How, how do we de determine the market share at this point in time? Because basically, are we going by manufacturer market share or are we going by the OS market share? Because BlackBerry is no longer running BlackBerry 10, so BlackBerry 10 market share isn't even relevant in this case. If anything, they're adding to Google's market share in terms of the operating system. If it comes down to device market share, like manufacturer market share, you know, it still has a BlackBerry name on it, but... I don't think most people don't look at, at the actual manufacturer market share in the grand scheme of things. I think the biggest the biggest number is when it comes down to OS market share, and you know BlackBerry has sort of sort of basically put themselves in a position that they're only increasing Google's OS market share at this point in time. As soon as the pribs start selling, that that just adds to Google's numbers. It doesn't doesn't necessarily help BlackBerry in any sort yeah. of way. BlackBerry will probably just announce like number of units sold over yeah. a period given a time, but that's probably all we'll get in terms of you know real numbers behind it and its profitability. What else we got on the on the uh, channel? Yeah, so someone had asked um, how many Android phones and what form vectors do you think BlackBerry will try to make money from before calling it a day on devices if they don't sell enough? And I'll just jump right into this. Like, if they don't sell enough of the Priv, I think we may, you know, China's kind of made it clear. If they don't sell enough of the Priv, that's probably going to be them, you know, jumping ship. If they yeah. do sell the Priv successfully, this whole five million a year, I mean, if they're just going to make one or two devices a year, then you know, this is this might be that one device for the next kind of year time frame, they'll, get an, they'll figure out, like, does this make sense or not? Um, yep. I guess, do you guys, I guess, going on to that question, if you agree with me, you know, what, what other form factors do you think they'll release if, if the Priv does do well? Ugh, or will I, st I still think that they need a slab just to go, 
excuse me, just to go ahead and appease the market. Like, yeah. there are people out there who want a slab, and if if the prib does well enough to constitute a, a slab being put out, then they'll go ahead and they'll put a slab out. Um, it does raise the question of whether or not we'll see like a passport form factor, because we obviously know at this point in time that they've done they've done the testing on it, anyways. I mean, that was that was one of the test the passport was one of the test beds for the whole Android ecosystem. So. I mean, it's not outside of the realm of possibility for them to go ahead and do that. It's just, will they? You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that they actually will. But yeah, the question is, do you build another leap or do you upgrade the existing leap and just resell it? You know, yeah. Yeah. it's tough. It's tough, especially when you're looking at like a device like that. I would like a slab that was like competing with something like the Moto E or the Moto G. Personally, like go super low end. But yeah. I, and they can do that now that it's Android, right? They have their high margin device. The other the other thing that has essentially come up is like the whole conspiracy theory on whether or not John Chen went ahead and placed the device so high because that's sort of like his easy out into into exiting the hardware business, you know, the the quote unquote ash yet it didn't sell. We tried, sort of thing. I don't know. It, I, I flip flop on on whether or not that is actually you know something that is is possible or not. Anything is possible, man. Yeah. I mean, look at look at those advertisements. They really clearly want to sell this thing, mm. or or creep people out from buying it. One or the other. I can't quite tell. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't I I don't know. Like I said, I flip flop on whether or not I actually buy into that conspiracy theory. It it seems a bit drastic. Like, why not just exit the hardware if that's what you really want to go ahead and do? But, yeah. you know, at the same time, it there, there, there's definitely, there's definitely enough, enough, uh, uh, enough stuff happening that makes me <laughs> sort of question. It's like, John, why? John <laughs> the CEO. He wouldn't need to do this. He could just make the decision. Be like, I'm cutting the hardware business. Yeah, I mean, on the numbers. That's all he would exactly. have to do. Literally. Just have to say that, um, it would be cut. Like he doesn't need to do this long dance to to look to save face or something for what? Like three million BlackBerry ten users? Like, no, give me a break. He's he's obviously trying to save the hardware industry in the best way he thinks is possible, and uh, he's doing a pretty shitty job at it. <laughs> wow, Brandon. In the opening, in the opening, uh, in the opening innings here with this priv. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so Brandon doesn't believe in the conspiracy theory. He just thinks that John Chen is doing a bad job. Just, just to be clear here. <laughs> just to be absolutely clear. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, Brandon, I think you're too harsh, man. I think like, I think he has no, to do the. Dance. I, I think no, I think he has to do the dance because at this point he can't. He, he's not all on the software ship yet. I think they're gonna be there in in the coming months, and they're really gonna have that software focus. But until they can take their foot off of hardware, he can't make the jump. So he's got to do the dance. You know, you say I'm harsh, but you know what's harsh? The marketing I have to see for the priv. That's <laughs> what about ad blocker, bro? Just put an ad blocker on it. <laughs> it, it, it go to sleep easy like the rest of us without the uh, ex machina girl holding a priv up to your window. <laughs> oh, man. What other questions do we have out there, Alex? This next one is probably going to be... I'm going to have to guide it somewhere at Chris. Um, when will we see some reviews for the print? Just any general time frame, Chris? I mean, obviously, if the thing is launching or shipping November 6th, 
to ninth or so. Obviously, you know, I guess, I mean, what do you think? That's, use your brains. I mean, that, that yeah. pretty much answers it on its own. I mean, if they're going to be shipping on November 6th, put your, put your, put your head together and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be seeing them within the next couple of weeks. So just so hang for, tight. First week of December, you will have those reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so another question here is, has anyone ever seen a 2 terabyte micro SD card for future-proofing this particular <laughs> spec? It's brilliant. Okay, so one thing is, uh, from what I've read, they when they do write, like, you know, supports up to X amount of terabytes or gigabytes or whatever, they can only really do, like, I don't know if it's a legal issue or whatever, but they can only really say to the extent of what's available on the market. Right now, consumer-facing, I think, like, a 512 gigabyte is really freaking expensive. But they are available. But there are some two terabytes available, but not to consumers. But they do exist. So BlackBerry can say, "Hey, up to two terabytes." When there then comes out the three terabyte, you know, uh, solid or SD cards, will the priv not support it? No, it'll probably support it. There might be a limit. Um, but again, this is just them having to give a certain limit. Ten years ago, you know, they can't say it'll support up to a gigabyte. Um, but when the gigabyte comes out, it might actually work. So it's, I don't know, it's just kind of how it is. It's, it's been like that for a while now. Um, I, I want to read this one that's uh, pretty amusing. This one's, again, directed at Blaze. <laughs> how, many full, <laughs> how many full throttles, on average, does Blaze drink per day when preparing a new BlackBerry review, and how many is he drinking presently? That was from Rob. <laughs> well, when I'm doing a review, I definitely probably hit the hit a lethal amount of about six, but on a regular <laughs> day, it's probably like two or three. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, does, does anyone know how the Indonesia and South African markets have taken the news of the Android BlackBerry? I'm assuming, I mean, it's going to be expensive for them, um, so I don't know how excited awkward. they're going to be about it. I think they, those markets primarily, they do like the cheaper end devices, um, but I know the South African market is huge. Also, that, that, that awkward moment, you now know what BlackBerry 10 has been subjugated to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the price is definitely going to be high. I mean, I speak to a lot of the, a lot of the Indonesian people about it, and, you know, they're, they're looking at the price more so than anything else because, as Alex mentioned, the, the price gets a little bit higher, and, you know, the majority of the people on, on that, that side of the world just, you know, they can't they can't really put that much money into a device really. I mean you're basically taking out a loan at that point in time to go ahead and purchase it. And it's the same with the iPhone. Like that's that's the reason why the iPhone doesn't necessarily do that good either. So And they have they have carriers and there are some some deals and you know pay as you go type things, but you know, it's accessible to only such a margin in those those economies. Yeah. Um, another question that came in, we we really just kind of brought it up to, um, is there going to be a launch party? If not, how, uh, you know, can the device succeed without one? Uh, I think they're going to do a little bit more marketing, as, as you guys pointed out. I don't know, will there be, like, a legitimate launch party? Because I feel like we should have seen it by now if there was going to be. <laughs> um, basically, <laughs> well, what had happened was... <laughs> what had happened was... Look. Does anyone remember BlackBerry Live? Exactly. Okay. Look, Moving launch, on. Launch parties cost a lot of money, and, 
you know, the, the balance in between whether or not a launch party is actually really worth the time and the effort yeah. and the money spent is, you yeah, know. Just spend I, that money debatable. sending out the, the units to, you know, lending them to the big name people to review. Mm -hmm. Mm. And as we as we all know, between creating launch parties and stuff like that, like everybody sees the Apple launches and everybody sees the Samsung launches. I mean, what what does everybody do during those events? They go on Twitter and they complain about what is wrong with the launch party. Like, why subject yourself to that? Like, you know, I get it, but. At the same time, you know, I'm one of those people that's out there making fun of Apple, recreating or reinventing some of this stuff on Twitter. Like, no. there's no need at this point. Like, yeah, I, don't know. I, th I think BlackBerry doing this launch to, to answer that the second latter end of that question, I think they're going to do something different entirely in terms of the marketing of this device, and I think that's going to be the propellant they need to to really say, hey, this device is here, and. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is, for those this is like, Yeah, I feel like this is really genuinely like the most teased device like in all of existence that BlackBerry has ever had off. Like they showed <laughs> us the freaking device like in all its glory like a year ago at a at a freaking uh, Mobile World Congress. Or mobile, yeah, like it was. I thought I thought I thought the Passport was bad, but you know, yeah, it, they, it pretty much has nothing on this one in terms of the wait time to to actually yeah. go ahead and get it. But and, thinking you know, from, but yeah, like, passport was rough, man. For a BlackBerry consumer, like yes, this has been so stressful on us. But for Android people, like I think this has just probably been good. They've probably been seeing a little bit of it creep up, and it's been in the back of their mind. And Android users have been waiting for this for like five years, <laughs> so <laughs> they, they can wait a couple more months. Exactly. Yeah. Well, a couple more weeks, rather. I don't know what I'm saying, but um, we'll, we'll wrap, one last question. Was one last question. Yep. Which we we again we discussed a little bit of. Um, what sort of third-party apps do you think BlackBerry can integrate into the hub? And again, we brought this up. It'll think of how BlackBerry 10 hub is right now. I think they'll have various extensions to do things, but um, I, they'll eventually impl implement more. As time goes on, hopefully yeah. Slack, hopefully other things. They'll, right they'll, they'll at least cover the table stakes they have, on <laughs> and and anything else you should just right. be happy about. <laughs> anyway, we will be back next week with hopefully a little bit more to talk about. We will be back on the first of November. Really appreciate everyone for watching. Um, we'll be hopping on our after show here shortly, and continuing our dialogue. What do you guys want to talk about? I want to talk about what Alex's mother was doing in his in his room. <laughs> <laughs> Just telling me to. Uh, uh, you'll hear afterwards. <laughs> Sounds good. Everyone appreciate having you all on, and I can continue looking forward to the excitement around this Priv launch. So appreciate all you guys' time. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. And the.